you have your copy of the scriptures, let me encourage you to turn to Psalm 119, Psalm 119, specifically verses 33 through 40. You'll find Psalm 119, 33 and 40 through 40, printed there in your bulletin. You can also use one of those pew Bibles, and you'll find it printed on page 651. As you are turning to Psalm 119, I want to express my gratitude to John Clifton for filling in for me last week. Of course, he's not here, but it's important for me to communicate to you my appreciation for him and particularly my appreciation for how he pointed you and me as I listened later to the overwhelming love of God in Christ. I'm grateful for John filling in last week. Well, this is my opportunity to wish you a happy new year since I wasn't with you last week. So, happy new year. I was listening this past week to a a podcast that I like to dip my toes in from time to time, and the two guys were talking, and they said, you know, for you, how how far into the year can someone wish you a happy new year on the first time that you see them? And one guy was like, I can go, you know, through January. It makes sense through January. The other guy, he just loves the new year, I guess, because he said, anytime through the first quarter. So you can get to the end of March. If you haven't seen him yet, you can wish him a happy new year. But as we come to and are now in 2023, it is not uncommon at the beginning of a new year for pastors to set aside time and focus on spiritual disciplines because this is the time when we make New Year's resolutions, and now as we're to January 8th, some of those resolutions have already petered off into the distance for some of us, maybe many of the resolutions. I, I don't know, but it's not uncommon thinking about trying to start off the new year on the right foot that we will take time and consider again the importance of the spiritual disciplines and their importance for the coming year. And often in doing that, pastors will begin by focusing on the priority of Scripture and Scripture intake, particularly reading Scripture, meditating on Scripture, hearing Scripture taught like we're doing right now. And then the following Sunday, we'll frequently go to prayer and the importance of prayer in the believer's life. And then from there, it might be focused on serving, on giving, on evangelism and missions, other sorts of spiritual disciplines, priorities for the Christian life. And there's nothing wrong at all with that approach. It's a very good and helpful and healthy approach. But you'll notice this morning, if you notice the title of the sermon, we're going in a slightly different direction in that, at some level, I'm combining those first two. Pray the Word. Pray Scripture. And I really do pray that The priority for us as we come out of this reflection together is the importance of prayer in 2023 and the importance of the Scriptures fueling our prayer lives individually and together. Now, before we read and go any further, some of you are asking, because I got, I got questions about this even on Christmas Day when we diverted from Leviticus, what about Leviticus? 
Fret not, we are coming back to Leviticus. We will get there. Some of you are fretting because we're going back there. But uh, if, if you're curious, we are going back to Leviticus here in a couple of weeks. But this week and next week in particular, we're in Psalm 119. Follow along as I read Psalm 119, 33 through 40. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. As we consider these eight verses in particular, and in some ways, all of Psalm 119, I want us to hear, I think it's important that we hear the invitation from this passage, from across the Scriptures, to pray the Word in 2023 to pray the Word in 2023. And in order to hear and respond to that invitation, there are three things for us to see out of this psalm. First, I want us to consider the psalm. First, consider the psalm itself. And then second, see the place of Scripture in prayer. See the place of Scripture in prayer. And then thirdly, pray the Word pray the word. So first, consider with me Psalm 119. Consider this psalm. What comes to mind for you when you hear Psalm 119? Perhaps you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Greg, absolutely nothing, because I know nothing about this psalm. We're glad you're here this morning. If you've been in church for some time, you've probably heard teaching from Psalm 119 or references made to Psalm 119, perhaps you have invested yourself to the point of memorizing the entire psalm. It's a long one. The longest one. But whatever your familiarity is with this psalm, consider a few things about it with me. Consider these features of the psalm. Now, I warn you, I warn some of you, some of you are going to be excited, some of you are not. We're going to talk about some numbers, because the numbers are important. What numbers are important related to Psalm 119? Well, one of them is 176, the number 176. What's so important about that number? Because that's how many verses are in this psalm, and perhaps For you, you think of Psalm 119 and you think long, really long. This is, as I said, the longest psalm. The next longest is Psalm 78, a mere 72 verses. Anybody know what the shortest psalm is? It's 117 and it has two verses. Psalm 119 has a few more than two verses. By verse count, Psalm 119 is longer than 31 books in the Bible. 
If you're curious, 14 Old Testament books, 17 New Testament books. If you're curious more about which ones those are, send me an email and I'll shoot you one back with a list of those 31. Its length is a noteworthy characteristic. Another characteristic about this psalm, which is pretty easy to comprehend because of the way the translators and editors of the ESV and other English translations have laid out and printed Psalm 119, and it's the fact that this psalm is an acrostic, an acrostic poem. It's an acrostic poem in this way. It has 22 separate sections. Each of those 22 sections has eight verses. The acrostic is all eight verses in each section begin with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the psalm is ordered from the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet to the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's kind of like from A to Z, uh, but it's not A to Z. Today, we are in the section that begins with each verse in the stanza begins with the Hebrew letter hey. This is not a section about the food for the cows that's in the barn. It says hey there at the, at the head of verse 33 because in the Hebrew, the, each verse, 33 through 40, begins with that Hebrew letter hey. And as you work through all of those all caps words are Hebrew letters that begin each section. Perhaps you're familiar with that fact about this psalm. And that's what comes to mind the acrostic nature of this psalm. Perhaps as you think about Psalm 119, or you, and you hear we're going to be in Psalm 119, and you know it's the new year, you think, yeah, that makes sense, because this entire psalm is all about Scripture. It's all about God's Word. And that's true. There are in, throughout Psalm 119, there are eight different Hebrew words that make reference to God's Word, and they're translated in different ways. We heard that in some of them in what we read earlier. Follow along again as I begin in verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Give me understanding that I may keep your law. Lead me in the path of your commandments. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Confirm to your servant, verse 38, your promise. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. 174 different instances throughout these verses, pointing in one way or another to God's Word. Perhaps that's what comes to mind for you and you think about when you think about Psalm 119. And that is true, that there is much to learn from this psalm about the gift, the glory, the benefit of God's Word in the life of His people. 
But there are a couple of other aspects of this psalm that we dare not miss. As we think about its enormous size, as we think about its artistic structure, as we think about its repeated emphasis on God's Word. In addition to those, this psalm is very, very personal. It is a very, very personal psalm. This is where those numbers begin to matter even more. And here's what I mean. I made reference to the fact that 174 times there's some word used to refer to God's Word in this psalm. But as our translators have translated it in the ESV, and this would be consistent across English translations, did you know that approximately 247 times, 174 times Scripture's referenced, a hundred times more as you read this psalm, the psalmist uses those pronouns you, your, to refer to God. This is a personal word as the psalmist speaks to the Lord. An additional 27 times he refers to God as Lord or God. Notice just in the first few verses of our section for today. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Give me understanding that I may keep your law. Lead me in the path of your commandments. This is not just about God's word in the life of this song, or about some abstract distant word in the psalmist's life. This is about God's Word in his life. And there was, did you hear it, the other aspect of this psalm that is so personal. Because not only does he, on the order of 300 times, somehow refer to God in this psalm, but 294 times... 294 times or thereabouts, he refers to himself. I, me, my. I, me, my, my ways, my eyes, my heart, my life. And God, this is what I want you, this is what I need you, this is what I long for you to do in my life. Friends, yes, this is a psalm extolling the glories of God's Word, but it is a psalm that does so in deeply personal ways as the psalmist communes with his Creator. And he cries out to God about his life. And about what his life has been like. And what about what his life is like now. And what he wants his life to be like in the future. And God's word plays a central role in how he understands himself, his life, his relationship with his creator and covenant keeping God. This is a deeply personal window into the life of of the people of God. And in that way, in this personal nature, 
this entire psalm, almost, almost the entire psalm, is a prayer. This is the psalmist speaking to God. I say almost because there are four verses. Out of 176, there are four verses that are not explicitly a prayer to God. Notice, turn to the beginning of Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in His ways. This is something of a prologue or introduction to the entire psalm, but then notice there's a switch in verse 4. It goes to second person. You have commanded your precepts to be diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast. And he continues to pour out his heart to God throughout the rest of the psalm, except for one verse, Psalm 115. It's as if he pauses, he takes a breath. I'm sorry, I said Psalm 115, verse 115 of Psalm 119. It's as if he takes a breath and he looks to those around him who do evil. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. The personal nature of this is still very much on display, right? He looks at these evildoers, get away from me. Why? Because I want to do, I want to live the commandments of my God. Be gone from me. And then he goes back in into prayer. As you think about prayer, perhaps you... There are a variety of ways that we can think about what prayer is and what we're doing in prayer and the glory, the sheer glory and the gift that prayer is, that God, the creator of the universe, has opened a way through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by which we can confidently approach Him with our requests. And He has commanded, He has invited us to come to Him with the burdens of our hearts. What a gift prayer is. Perhaps when you think about prayer, and maybe in your own prayer life, you have, or you've at least heard of, the ACTS acronym to kind of organize your prayer life. A for adoration, wherein prayer, we just praise God for who He is, His attributes. We move on to see and confess our sins to the Lord. T, we thank God for His great love to us, specifically and primarily His love to us in Christ, but also for all of the blessings that He has bestowed on us. And S, supplication, where we're asking God for things. We could think about prayer along those four categories. And let me pause here and commend something for your consideration. Two things. 
out in the foyer. I meant to bring one up with me, and I neglected to do so. But out in the foyer on the table, there are actually copies of Psalm 119 from the Pew Bibles for you to pick up. We don't have one for everyone, so if we run out and we need more, let me know, and we can print more or get one to you this week. But there are actually copies of Psalm 119 on the table for you to take if you are interested. And here's what I would encourage you to do, and this is related to this personal prayer nature of this psalm. Take some time today, this week. Get two highlighters. One for God, looking for all of those you, yours, O Lord, and get another highlighter and look for all of the I, me, my, and just take some time and read through this psalm and identify all of those personal words, those personal identifiers. This will help and nourish and encourage your soul to Steep your mind in just how personal the psalmist gets related to God, God's Word, and his own life in this psalm. Let me encourage you to take some time and explore the personal nature of this psalm this week. But related to that, you could also go through and look at how it is that the psalmist prays. Because as he prays to God, not all of his prayers are those supplications, those asking God for things. Another helpful study, and this one I have not done exhaustively, but I intend to do so, and that is use that ACTS acronym and explore through this psalm. How does the psalmist extol God in praise? How does he pray to God, adoring God for who he is? How does he confess his own sin in this prayer? How does he express thanksgiving to God? And what does he ask God to do? Now, this one I have done because I was curious. As we think about praying the Word, and oftentimes when we think about prayer, this is what we think about, don't we? We think about prayer being asking God to do something, and that is part of prayer. Some 62 verses in this psalm, the psalmist is asking God to act in some way. And in those 62 verses, there are 79 times that he asks God to do something. So some verses he's asking God to do more than one thing. Notice. Notice. Verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. This is one of the most common prayers throughout the psalm. He's asking God to teach him his word. He asked the Lord repeatedly to give him life. Notice in verse 37, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Behold, I long for your precepts in your righteousness. Give me life. And he asked for the Lord for a variety of other things so that in this psalm, in this deeply personal 
prayer-filled psalm in which the psalmist cannot understand God, understand himself, understand his place in this world apart from God's Word, we have two pictures that come together. We have here a picture of the psalmist devoted to the Lord. And sometimes this psalmist's picture of devotion to the Lord is a challenge to us. And it ought to be a challenge to us. We have here a picture of a devoted lover to his beloved, a devoted servant to his master. We hear it in verse 35. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. His delight is in God's Word. Verse 40, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. This psalmist is devoted to the Lord. But not only do we have a picture of devotion, but in his praying and in his pleading, we have a picture of desperation. A picture of desperate need for God to be at work in his life. That's the urgency of verses 33 through 35. Teach me, O Lord. What's the implication there? God, if you don't teach me, I won't know. Give me understanding. I can't understand your word and how to apply your word to my life unless you enable me to understand these words. Words, But not only is there a desperation to learn and know and apply God's Word, notice over in verse 25, the desperation that this psalmist is experiencing. My soul clings to the dust. I am low. I am dry. I am languishing. That's where my life is. And I need you to give me life. Verse 22, take away from me scorn and contempt. There are those around me who are looking at me. They're making fun of me. They're holding me in contempt. I need you to take it away. There are princes, verse 23, plotting against me. This is the person of God in desperate need. And in his devotion, he is not spared from desperation. In his devotion, he is not spared from desperation. And in his desperation, he is expressing his devotion to God, for God to be at work. So that in this psalm, as a personal prayer, and in the repeated reference to Scripture throughout this prayer. This psalm helps us to see the place of Scripture in prayer. And as is relatively customary, the next two points won't be as long as the first. But having this perspective on the personal prayer-filled nature of this psalm, let's see the place of Scripture in prayer from this psalmist. Here, we're going to consider briefly how it is that the psalmist prays. 
how he prays connected to God's Word. Next week, we're going to come back to these same verses. And we're going to look at what he prays and the implication for us here. But as he prays, his prayer is intimately tied together with Scripture so that repeatedly, 174 times, he is praying about, in some way, God's Word and God's Word in his life and the life of others. So that one way we see in this psalm the place of God's Word in our prayer lives, we can take the example of this psalmist and use his words as our own words. God, teach me the way of your statutes. Lead me in the path of your commandments. We can follow his example pleading with the Lord for God to be at work, to work His Word into our lives and into our perspective, into our understanding about how we should live wisely in this world as Christ's people. So one way Scripture has a place in our prayer life is just for us to take the words of this psalmist and pray them back which moves very quickly to another way that we see from this psalm, the place of Scripture in prayer. And that is praying God's Word. Not only does He, not only does He pray to God about God's Word in His life, but He provides for us a model that we can follow and extend to the rest of Scripture by which we can take God's Word and pray His Word back to Him. Teach me, O Lord, the way of Your statutes. Not only are we following the model that the psalmist gives us, if we will take 33a and make that our prayer. But friends, we are also taking the inerrant, infallible Word of God and letting it drive our prayer life. Why is that important? Why is that valuable? Well, we see throughout the Scriptures that it is important that as we pray, that we strive that our prayer lives would be conformed insofar as we can know it to God's will. Think about how Jesus instructed us to pray. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. Jesus said this is how we should pray. We should pray for God's will to be done. Moreover, in the passage that Brendan read for us earlier, John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if Jesus' words, not just the red letter words, but this entire word that is about Jesus from start to finish, if his words abide in us and they are changing us, then we are in a position to more faithfully and more confidently in keeping with God's will plead to him the burdens of our hearts. But perhaps most plainly, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, 
And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. And what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for your life, friend? In part, God's will for our lives is that we would know the desperation and the devotion of this psalmist and that we would express such desperation and devotion to Him in prayer. So that His Word, specifically these words of this psalm, can help us as we take them and make them our words in prayer. Time prevents us from exploring this in greater detail, but I can't pass by one thing. As we pray, take the psalmist's words here and turn them into our own as prayer, I can say with confidence from verses 33 through 40, that every single one of those prayers has a promise connected to it that God promises to fulfill somewhere else in His Word. So that as we take up these words and make them our own, we are doing what we read in verse 49. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. One example. That verse that we've come back to repeatedly, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Friend, do you realize that in His Word, God has promised to teach His people His Word? Listen to Isaiah 54, 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord. This is the new hope promise that God's people will be taught by Him. John 6, 45, it is written in the prophets, Jesus says, and they will all be taught by God. There is this promise that God will teach His people. Moreover, in Jeremiah 31, we have the promise that God makes with His new covenant that He will write His law on the hearts of His people. We can pray, God, teach me the way of your statutes in confidence that this is God's will because He has promised to teach us His Word. And if we ask anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And where, friend, and where, do all of the promises of God find their yes and amen? According to the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, God's Word Himself, God's Word itself says, all of God's promises find their yes and amen in Christ. So that if you are here today and you don't know Christ, friend, that must be 
the first cry of your heart today. To cry out in repentance and faith. Turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting not in your prayer life. Trusting not in your Scripture reading. Trusting not in your church attendance. Trusting not in any other accumulation of supposed good works. But trusting in and only in the saving work of God in Christ. It is by faith that we come to know Christ by faith. And it is as we trust Christ by faith and as we walk as the people of Christ that we begin to see how it is that all of these promises find their yes and amen in Christ. Scripture has a role, a deep role, to play in our prayer lives so that how should we respond? We should pray the Word. We should pray the Word. Folks like us in what's known as the free church tradition, where we don't have a written liturgy that we follow every week. We're not real keen on written prayers. We, because it, we think it lacks spontaneity and genuineness. And, and I get that, and there, there can be some truth in that. But friend, the flip side of the coin is true as well. If we will take this prayer that is already written out for us as a model and start with it, there are vistas of prayer that will open up to us as we pour out our hearts to God. I am not saying that all we should do is teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Instead, let this psalm be a diving board into the swimming pool. No, not the swimming pool. A diving board into the ocean of God's love and promises. And let us pour out our hearts in desperation and devotion to Him in 2023. And there are, in particular, three things I want you to consider about praying the Word. And praying the Word in light of Psalm 119, quickly. We can pray with three perspectives out of this psalm. We can pray with three perspectives. We can pray... As the psalmist does, teach me, O Lord. I want to know. Give me understanding. Give me life. We can pray personally. But we can also pray congregationally. We can pray for one another and for our church. Teach us, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Give us understanding. Lead us in the path of your commandments. We can pray for ourselves. We can pray for one another. Friends, we can also use this psalm to pray evangelistically. God, you know my coworker who does not know you and doesn't give any evidence of wanting to know you or 
a parent or a spouse or a grandchild or fill in the blank. Teach him, O Lord, the way of your statutes so that he will keep it to the end. Give him understanding so that he will keep your law, which can only be done in Jesus. We can use this psalm to pray evangelistically. And let me suggest three approaches. As you consider praying personally, corporately, evangelistically, three approaches that you could take using Psalm 119 to fuel your prayer life in 2023. One is, you just pray progressively. Not the car insurance. But rather, you start in verse 1, and you read for a while, and and then once something hits you, you take that as your prayer. And you run with it before God on your knees, taking to Him your burdens prompted by what you have read in that day. And then the next day, you pick up where you left off and you keep working your way through. That would be one way. Another way, another way is that you take a section each week. So this week, you take perhaps the hay sections, as we've been talking about it today, and we're going to talk about it again next week. And every day, you're just using verses 33 through 40 to fuel your prayer to the Lord. And each day, that's going to look a little bit different because the needs of the day are the needs of today are not the needs of yesterday, and they won't be the needs of tomorrow. Yes, there's overlap but use a section over and over and over throughout a week. Or you just go consecutively taking a section or a verse each day. So you're going to pick a verse, you're going to pick a section, and today I'm going to focus on this, and this is going to be my prayer. And then tomorrow I'm going to move on to the next verse or the next section. There's overlap in these, but the point is this. The point is this, there is not one way that you can take God's Word and turn it into your prayer. There are a multitude of ways. The question is, will you? Will we? Let me ask you, whatever your New Year's resolution plans have been with regard to Scripture and prayer, maybe you have had some, maybe you have had none. Let me ask you, will you this week turn verses 33 through 40 into your personal prayer? Will you turn these verses into your prayer for our church? Will you turn these verses into your evangelistic praying this week? I want to ask you, as your pastor, That this week would be for us, Reynoldsburg Baptist Church, a week in which this is our corporate prayer. Teach us, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and we will keep it to the end. Give us understanding that we may keep your law and observe it with our whole hearts. Lead us in the path of your commandments, for we delight in it. Incline our hearts to your testimonies 
and not to selfish gain. Turn our eyes from looking at worthless things and give us life in Your ways. Confirm to Your servants Your promise that You may be feared. Turn away the reproach that we dread, for Your rules are good. Behold, we long for Your precepts, and in Your righteousness give us life. Will you let that be your prayer this week? Let's pray together in this way. This is how we will pray when we gather tonight for our corporate prayer. But whether you are here tonight or not, will you make this the cry of your heart this week? And as I said earlier, if you are here today and you don't know Christ, will you today come to know Him? I would love to talk with you when we are done here about how you might know the one true and living God through Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before You, Father, we pray. We pray that You would teach us the way of Your statutes. Help us, Father, to know how it is that You would have us take the prayers that are given to us in Scripture, and specifically this long prayer that is known as Psalm 119, help us to grow in knowing how we might know Your way in this psalm and how we might use the words of this psalm in this year to fuel our prayer lives. To fuel our prayer lives for ourselves as we express our desperation and our devotion to You individually. Help us, Father, to use this psalm to fuel our prayers for our congregation as we plead that we collectively would have the desperation and the delight, the desires that are shown in this psalm. Father, help us to use the words of this psalm to pray evangelistically, to pray that there would be those who do not yet know the way of Your statutes. Those who have no desire to know or to understand Your Word. Help us, Father, to use the gift of this psalm to pray for others. Praying that You would do a work that only You can and that You, by Your grace, would give them life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.